Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Attention collectors of vinyl. Have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples? Do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia. Listen to I'd Buy That for a dollar wherever you get your podcasts. Creative Control with Beesh Comic. Why, hello there. How are you? Thank you for being with me on the show today. Listen, I got a couple things to talk about. First of all, thanks to all of you who went to the iTunes store and uh, gave the, the show a positive rating uh, on, on the iTunes store. As I said in the last episode, apparently if you give the show a good rating, it does it just does better in the iTunes rankings, and, and that's good. Thank you. And uh, there haven't been that many reviews of any episodes or the program as a whole that I can see so far. There is, there is, as of this moment, there seems to be one, and it's from my wife, which is both sad and nice at the same time. My wife's amazing. I didn't know, I was just like, hey, that's a nice review, and then I looked at the name, I think it's my wife. Anyway, that's fine. If you feel like saying stuff and giving the show a nice rating, I'd appreciate it. Uh, secondly, on the last episode, I suggested that Colin Stetson was going to be on this episode, and that's true. That's absolutely true. What happened after that is that at the last minute, Sarah Newfeld and I had a conversation, and she's also going to be on the show. Colin and Sarah are together in life, and 
they both sometimes play in a band called Arcade Fire, and they're both uh, playing their own shows at the Hillside Festival in Guelph and Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick in the next little while. So yeah, that's why they're on the show. And they've got great records out or coming out. You'll see. Let's get to the show. Let us get to the show. The Eden Mills Writers Festival celebrates its 25th anniversary this September with events featuring storytellers in Waterloo, Guelph, and of course, 10 minutes away from Guelph, in the village of Eden Mills. Key events include an evening at the Starlight Social Club in Waterloo, Ontario, featuring Jim Guthrie, Bedini Band, I Am Robot and Proud, and readings by Carrie Snyder and Dave Bedini. The Joel Plaskett Emergency with Jim Guthrie and Bedini Band perform at the River Run Center on Friday, September 13th. Also September 13th, Arthur Black and James Gordon are at the Eden Mills Community Hall. World-renowned food expert and best-selling author Michael Pollan will be joined by Sarah Elton at Rosansky Hall at the University of Guelph on the afternoon of Saturday, September 14th. And a full slate of adult, young adult, and children's author readings will take place in the village of Eden Mills from noon to 6 p.m. on Sunday, September 15th, featuring a who's who of emerging and established Canadian writers. All of these events are accessible and all ages, and tickets are on sale now at the bookshelf, ticketbreak.com, and the River Run Center box office. For more information, visit EdenMillsWritersFestival.ca. Over the past five years, Colin Stetson has come to be regarded as one of the most daring, inventive, and superhuman musicians on the planet. Known for employing a bass saxophone, Stetson is a Michigan native who lives in Montreal and has collaborated with a who's who of great artists, from Tom Waits to Arcade Fire to Bonnie Vare, among others. He recently released an astonishing solo album called New History Warfare Volume 3, To See More Light, which is out now via Constellation Records. And just as its predecessor did, it finds Stetson nominated on the shortlist for Canada's prestigious Polaris Music Prize. Stetson is performing at the Hillside Festival in Guelph and Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick, two of my favorite festivals in all of Canada. And uh, here he is now to discuss this further. Hi, Colin. How are you? Good, Beach. How are you? I'm very well. Congratulations on your Polaris Music Prize shortlist nomination. Thank you so much. This is the second time. Now, how... Second time, is it getting to be old hat? Do you even do you even care anymore? <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> of, of course. No, no, no. It's 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 pretty fantastic. Uh to to have um you know, my second record out in uh in Canada be back on that list and, and, and again with uh to have the kind of um company that I have on that list. It's pretty it's pretty insane. So I'm a I'm a lucky boy. Where were you when you when you discovered you were on the shortlist? Um I'm oh, well I mean today I'm in New York. Okay. So um yeah. I've I'm just at my apartment in New York. Oh, okay, so you're just you're just hanging out and someone says, Hey by the way you're nominated for the shortlist for the Players Music Prize. Uh yeah. Just that's, that's how I mean that's how I went today. Um, I just got back from doing a couple shows in the Netherlands last night, so um, I'm just yeah I'm back. I'm I've got a few days uh, you know off where I'm like truly relaxing a bit. So it is it's nice to uh, you know to wake up and um, 
and have your mom email you and tell you that you're back on the service. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it is. It's nice for your parents, right? It's nice to be because these critical accolades. I think on some level, you kind of have to insulate yourself from some critical or external observations about your work. Is that right? Like, do you, do you feel like you kind of because you're going to get the good and the bad, and either one can maybe impact you? Have you kind of come to a sort of a, figured out a balancing act between checking out your press and 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 listening to critics and and just doing your own thing? Uh, yeah, I had to do that a while back. Um, I, I mean, I generally tend to not read anything because, yeah, I found that regardless of whether it's positive or negative, it does have an effect on then how you, I mean, how you interact with your, with your craft and with the art that you're making. And I don't, that's absolutely unacceptable. (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'm glad that it's there. But I don't uh, really. I don't interact with it. Okay. So as it, but it, you can probably. It say. It sounds like at some point it has both positively and negatively impacted what you've, what your your practice in some way. No, no. I mean, I haven't found. This was strictly preventative. I I never. I, it's not like I I, I I let let it run its course and at some point found that. Um, you know, like a, a, an actual effect on on my process, but I just kind of I, I anticipated that there could be an effect, so I nipped it in the bud. Okay, I see, I see. That's good. You you saw the symptoms and you became your own doctor, basically. You just yeah, that's that's what I do. <laughs> well, I, I just want to congratulate you again. I mean, this is as I said in my little introduction. It's a it's such a beautiful record. And uh, it's such a marvel to hear you making this music. And I'm curious if you can maybe tell us about the arc of the new History Warfare trilogy. Because, as I say, as I mentioned, this is Volume 3. Where did this take you as an artist, this trilogy? Uh, well, I mean, on, on a number of different levels, it's, it's really expanded. It, A, has it's been a documentation of, of really of the entire process of me of the codification of this of my solo music into into song form and into into a a structure Um, because previous to to the trilogy it was largely improvised um, with the music that I was making Um, so this is really uh, as accurate a documentation of the of the you know the evolution of my playing and of my composition over these past years. Uh, also, the documentation of the of the of my process uh, of uh, of capturing the performances and and of working with the mic, you know, miking and uh, and mixing um, to to more you know better to bring it to the recorded medium, you know, to make the recording something that. Really, it's its own animal, and, and it's not simply trying to mimic or recreate what happens live. Um, but um, and then on a much more thematic and, and abstract and emotional level, it's it's been something that's kind of seen me through, uh, seen me through my thirties, um, which is which has been, you know, it's it's. You've been through your thirties, right? I, I <laughs> I'm experiencing. How old do you think I am? I can't believe you. So I am insulted. <laughs> I imagine you're around my age. 
I, but, um, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm 35. Okay, you're a little bit younger than me, so I don't know if you've experienced it, but, but the 30s were crazier than, uh, than anybody told you they were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, got, I got married and I have a child. I have a kid, and, yeah. and when you think about life like that, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, it has been a pretty crazy ride. Yeah, in general, you're right. Every, like, vocationally, like, professionally, personally, it, it has been nuts. Yeah. Everything changes so drastically, and the the uh, like just this orgiastic uh, bliss out twenties thing that um, that you experience, where where you're still invincible. Um, when that comes to a close, and mortality actually sinks its teeth in uh, to you in a conscious way, which um, which I. As far as I've experienced with all with everybody I know, it, it, this is kind of when it happens to pretty much everybody. Um, that that is something. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's eventful, uh, and so this for me. I, I mean, I can't think about these records um, and what I've been the stories that I've been telling. The kind of more abstract, uh, you know, surrealist narrative is all, I guess, in some way a reflection of. Uh, me uh, and my experience in the past eight years. Yeah, and and I can kind of I kind of grasp that, and I don't want to describe it necessarily as as angst per se. But when you title a piece like you have on this record, what are they doing in heaven today? That <laughs> that kind of it has a sort of tone to it. It's a little heavy. Like I wonder what they're doing in heaven today. I mean, that's like not something someone in their twenties probably ponders. Well, that's actually a, um, a gospel. That's a traditional, or not, um, it, was a, it was a song written uh, at the turn of the century, um, but, and made. But, but to include it in this collection, I mean, there's obviously yeah. you're contextualizing that piece. Yeah, sorry, I, I did. Re- I realized that, but when you actually contextualize that piece within this record, I mean, that's that's telling in its own way. In its own way. Yeah, that particular piece. For me, because I, I am not a believer, I was not raised religiously, and I'm not religious now, um, and I don't have uh, any sort of afterlife conception or, or beliefs. Um, and so the idea, this, uh, this notion of heaven, when, when I, when, when, if I ask that question, um, really this, the notion of heaven and the notion of afterlife is, is, is legacy. It comes down to what um, what is happening now? You know, what is what is the present that the people of the past have left? Um, you know, what are we doing with it? You know, to um, to in some way uh, ensure that everyone who came before, um, you know, that that it was all worth something. That it was all worth it. That it all made a difference. Yeah, something is. That there's progress, that it's a better place. That you, you that, that this this conception of this idea of uh, of heaven, you know, of, of this utopia, this you know, some sort of perfection. That that is still that's something that you're pursuing in on on the earth. Um, and so uh, so that's when that song comes in in that rec- in, in the record. It really is me stepping back and asking that question. Huh. It's not not. Not about um, some sort of uh, reward 
for um, a job well done. <laughs> sure. No, no, I, I understand that. And it, it does have, you're right, it, including, and including a, that, this gospel song, you're kind of imbuing a past, present, future aspect to life <laughs> and, 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 yeah. our, and our existence, I, I suppose, as well. You know, it's so interesting to me hearing you discuss this uh, because the way you express yourself as an artist is primarily through instrumentation. And, and then yet you've got all of these sort of thoughts that are uh, bubbling under the surface of, of these songs. Like, I mean, th- these are, this is a process of, of sort of articulating, like you're articulating something that maybe a listener wouldn't, I'm trying to think if there's any way for a listener to get what you just expressed to me in language through your music. I've actually, I mean, my intention when I set out and, 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 and write these songs and then, and then set them to uh, and, and record them, uh, my intentions are actually, I, I found that from, from the feedback that I've gotten from people who, who've enjoyed the music, that, it's, that my intentions are rather, are rather clear, um, it, mm-hmm. it seems. I mean, in a really um, strange and uh, sometimes almost eerie way, uh, a lot of the time, people actually have, you know, regardless of the of the absence of any of of, of my uh, language, you know, of actual language um, being there to support these uh, these themes and these and this imagery, people uh, largely come to the same conclusions that I did. So it's uh, it's been one of the greatest things, uh, one of the greatest parts of sharing this music. You find that you find that it's pretty like sorry you're saying that the the things we just discussed you know that you feel like that is is being like people have talked to you about these sort of same themes like you and, and I mean, oh I mean specifically that last one I mean maybe not particularly that but you know the overall and 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 also some specific moments in 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 certain pieces that yes people have. Uh, come to me and said, in, you know, and, and describe very much the uh, the, in, the the intention. You know, those, I mean, it, it may be cloaked in their own imagery, and it might be, I mean, contextualized in their own experience. But it's something that uh, I think, you know, the, the the essence is there, the core is there, and so yes, uh, a lot of times people I think are right on the same page, and and really if they're not. That's that's great too. Um, I I want a reaction, and I want there to be a relationship that's formed. Um, I want it to be something that people experience. But I don't necessarily. I mean, and, and I mean, I do try to imbue it all with my intention, and it means something to me. Yeah. But I don't necessarily need that to mean the same thing to everybody, so long as it means something. Or, or, or so long as it, as it's, as they, as it's, you know, a, something that they can experience and something that they, see, you know, that they want to experience. When I hear your music, I kind of think of sort of generic liberation. Like I, I don't actually hear it uh, in any kind of. I, I don't like to think of it as, as someone who listens to all kinds of music myself. I can kind of just appreciate it on its own. Uh, level, but uh, and and the level I relate to it with. But when you make a kind of music that often, you know, at least in terms of stereotypes, it kind of supposedly appeals to a certain audience. You know, maybe maybe your music 
someone would look at it externally and maybe narrowly, or at least to classify, I would say, oh, this is this is music that belongs in sort of a jazz realm or an improvised music realm or something like that. But what we're seeing, I think, with your records is that the music is transcending any one particular genre or audience, and it's being embraced generally. I mean, we look at the Polaris Music Prize, for example. This is a a broad range of critics from different disciplines have come together and made a decision twice now for you to suggest that your records are among the best to have come out uh, in the year. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what does that embrace tell you about your work and maybe what it's accomplishing? Uh, well, I mean, it's, to, for me, it's been, it's been this way for, for years, ever since I have been performing this music. Uh, the audiences have always been really diverse and the places that I've gotten to play have always been really varied, um, you know, from rock clubs to, you know, cathedrals to jazz spaces to, you know, uh, you know, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, and the, and the audiences have always been completely varied as well, you know, in, uh, age and demographic and, and, and in their um, listening preferences, so it's not. It's. It, I mean, it means a awful lot to me now to to have it be accepted on such a much more uh, grand uh, scope. Um, but uh, but it hasn't changed in terms of of the of the the. The kind of varied quality to to every, and then the more universal uh, quality of, it, of the acceptance, um, and I don't know what that's about. Although I mean, the only thing I could I could attribute it to is that I'm not coming from any one uh, one place when I'm making this music. I, I don't. I'm not just a listener of jazz music. I, I mean, I I, uh, I certainly don't consider myself to be. Uh, a jazz musician per se. I mean, I play a sax, a saxophone, and it's an instrument that um, that's uh, considered, you know, to that, you know, to be within the jazz idiom. But um, but the music I make, I don't think is. I would never classify it as such, and um, and so it seems like there again, my intention maybe is uh, shines through a little bit. On that, on that uh, tip as well, and, and and people who are coming from you know very very different places um, can identify with it, and that's that's a that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, and I think that when you have open-minded programmers like the ones that say Sappy Fest or Hillside, which these are two festivals you're playing, both kind of, you know, I, I don't want to pigeonhole them, but both kind of sort of folk indie rock oriented festivals. It's. It's. I think it says something that they are approaching you about playing their festival. I mean, there's some sort of resonance within what you're doing that sort of supersedes any particular, as I say, sort of generic modifier. Yeah, I mean, even in this just just in this past year, the um, I've just been able to. I get asked to play all sorts of festivals from rock festivals, jazz festivals, folk festivals, um, and get to play in all different kinds of spaces. Um, I, one of the first places I used to, I, I played so, uh, solo concerts back in San Francisco when I lived there, was the National Shrine of uh, 
St. Francis of Assisi uh, in in San Francisco. That and it, it was just still one of my favorite venues of all time. It's just such a gorgeous room and such amazing acoustics. And I used to play there uh, on. I actually played uh, a concert on three consecutive Easter Sundays, um, and uh, which I still always love that uh, I got to share this music in that space on that day with all of the monks, um, you know, uh, present and doing their thing. And and the appreciation that I got from them even was pretty astounding. So I'm, yeah, it's been, it's been really lovely. It continues to be really lovely. And I'm, I'm pretty damn fortunate for it all. So, yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Well, that's, 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 it's a, you seem to feel like you seem to behave like someone who feels like you're leading a very charmed life right now. I I think I always have, and um, or I mean, I, I I mean to say I think I always have led a rather charmed life, and, <laughs> and I and I and I try to make my appreciation uh, very audible <laughs> yeah. and known. But it's uh, it's a rare thing. Uh, in in life, uh, and and it's not and it's and, and it's and it doesn't last forever and, and it's fleeting and and uh, and uh, and we should all appreciate the good when it's when it's when it's on us. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You've completed what we are perceiving to be a trilogy, and uh, and I and I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Have you figured this out? Is there? Another new history warfare coming, or are you are you prepared to sort of move on from this, from these chapters? Oh no no, this, this, the three is done. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fan of Superman four or Jaws four. <laughs> <laughs> I just love I love the I, I love the 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 archetypal trip, you know three act. Hey, uh-huh. uh, I I and I wanted it like that from the beginning. I want. I knew that it was that the, that when I was when I set out to do volume one, that it really was the beginning of something. That it was not finished, and that I was I was setting up a story. Uh, and 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 I, I mean, if you leave it open ended, then then you have to. Then it gets you know like like you know, the fourth season of Lost or something. And then and you you just continue. You just start making stuff up to to happen to your characters for for arbitrary reasons. Um, I wanted a, a, an actual concise story that, that, that had the beginning, a middle, and an end, and and and, and real uh, discernible progress, and 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 uh, and, um, and a finality to it. So that's that's what it is. I'm not going to tack anything off on the under the end of it okay. um, in terms of you know, another volume. Uh, I, I I mean, I, that being said, I might make another trilogy, I mean, or, or something else along those lines, but, um, and I, because I've certainly been writing a ton and, uh, have a lot of material right now that I'm working on for, for future things, and I, but what form that will all take um, is, is, uh, is just all kind of burgeoning right now, it's all in the works. Right. And all, and all. Yeah, you, you definitely strike me as a, as a prolific and dedicated Sort of artist, so I, I can I imagine there's lots of stuff coming, and and I imagine there's it's possible that the kind of conceptual idea seems to appeal to you, the kind of framing of a work or a series of works. Is that is that fair to say, or is that just because am I just coloring that because we just discussed the fact that you you just completed a trilogy? I mean, does it stand to reason? No, no, no. 
It's very fair to say. I mean, I think that might be the most important thing to me uh, to uh, in in the yeah in the framing of these of, of these uh, these records hmm. uh, in the making in the making of art and uh, because I mean these things you're making something that's gonna that's gonna hopefully out, out outlive you you're 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 um and you're you're telling a story that you know that hopefully people can share um uh with others um it, it's something that 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 has a life of its own once it leaves you um and i and so i think uh, i take it very seriously and um and i uh and i come at it from every different every angle i guess um until I, I feel like it's it's uh, you know fully formed and and ready to ready to exist out there by itself. Hmm. Well, that's great. That's it's it's, it's excellent. Uh, you know, I, I as you know, I'm a big fan and I appreciate what you're doing and I, I'm just very happy for you. I suppose. Thank you so much, Vish. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, you too. Now, before I let you go, the, the only other news is, or rather, I should say, you, you you talk about some of the future plans. Are there is there anything in the immediate future? Because I, I know that, uh, and I don't know if you're going to be involved. Like the arcade fires is starting to roll again. Are you planning to be out on the road with them? Uh, no road plans. Um, uh, I did, you know, record uh, on a bunch of stuff for the the new record. With my best friend and uh, longtime collaborator Stuart Bogey, um, and um, and and but yeah, in terms of uh, you know, I, I, no plans to be on the road with them. Uh, right now, I've got just it's it's basically just solo tours um, as far as the eye can see, <laughs> uh, with uh, with with some things, uh, some some new projects on the. That, that I'm working on uh, right now with some, with actually with some friends in New York. Um, so hopefully that'll, those will start to pick their heads out, you know, maybe by the, uh, the fall and spring. You, you mentioned you have an apartment in New York. Are you spending as are you spending much time in Montreal these days? Uh, yeah, I spend most of my time in Montreal. Uh, I mean, well, I spend most of my time on the road, uh, <laughs> but the, the, you know, in terms of home, Montreal is still, it's still definitely home, and most of my time is spent there. But uh, you know, Sarah has her yoga studio in uh, in the West Village here, and so the two of us do spend some time in in New York, both for for that and for also you know just uh, you know making music and and seeing seeing friends. Right, and Sarah is also playing Hillside. And is she also playing Sappy? I know she's playing Hillside. Also playing Sappy. Yep. Oh, look yep. at that! You guys get to travel together and play together. That's fun. We try to do it as much as possible because it really is a it's a nice change uh, of pace from you know normally just constantly coming and going our separate ways with tours. But yeah, we've been able to. She's come out on the road with me a few times now to uh, open up um, on tours, and so and that's really our favorite thing at this point is just to be able to do the double solo show, and not only because it's just good for us to be able to travel like that, but. Um, but also because I think the show is beautiful, uh, the way that her music uh, and mine relate and 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 are so, you know, so you know starkly different yet balance each other out very well. So um, 
Yeah, she's got her new record coming out in August, which is gorgeous, and everybody's here. So this is um, uh, this yeah. by, this is just by the way, this is Sarah Newfeld, also of Arcade Fire, who has a solo endeavor as well. We we didn't really say who Sarah was. Mm. Did we? I know. <laughs> talking amongst friends, I always forget that we're also talking. <laughs> To everybody else. <laughs> that's right. All right. That's right. And, and the details of Sarah's record are they're coming out in August. On uh, what label is that record coming out on? On Constellation as well. Also on Constellation. There you go. So those people can look out for that. And now, I, at the risk of being sort of purient, because uh, I know it's not your project, can you give us any impressions of of your work on the Arcade Fire record? Like what uh, about about rather about the songs that you worked on? What what is your impression of them? Um, they're really really good. that's a very diplomatic answer i I appreciate that i imagine they are very good you're excited about it (laughs) no 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 you won't be you won't be disappointed and uh and um uh no it's it is it's uh just imagine how you felt before um every other record how you were like what what are they going to do what's different and is it going to be good and then when they put it out it was all you know all of those things were were there it was good it was different um and it, but it was entirely them uh so yeah that i i, I can say that it's uh, it's, it's it's fantastic <laughs> it's always nice when you can collaborate with a band that you you're clearly a fan of i don't really do anything other than that i mean like i i i've been really fortunate over the years to get to i mean especially recently where i've just i, I you know, I, I got to join Bonnie Bear, which you know Justin's music was solidly in my uh, in my favorites. Right, you know, before uh, I joined up with him and and Arcade Fire as well. And um, so I, I, yeah, I get to I get to do things I like, uh, and I and I don't do things that I don't like. And, <laughs> and I'm, uh, yeah, I know that I know that's a particularly lucky position to be in, but um, if you can find that, no matter what you do, I highly suggest that you pursue it. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Thank you very much, Colin. I want to let everyone <laughs> I want to let everyone know that uh, Colin Stetson has uh, recently released an astonishing solo album. It's called New History Warfare Volume 3, To See More Light. Uh, it's been nominated for the shortlist uh, for the Polaris Music Prize, and uh, Colin is performing at the Hillside Festival in Guelph and Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick. You can get more information about all of these things at cstrecords.com and colinstetson.com. Uh, Colin, it's always a, a great pleasure to speak with you, and I wish you the best of luck with everything, and, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Jason. Great to talk to you again. Oh, before we go, Colin, is there a song from the new record that we could play for, for people since we've been talking so much about it? Um, there are many songs from the new record. That you play. <laughs> um, it really depends on how much time you want to spend. Uh, <laughs> but, I'm open. Um, whatever you feel like. Well, I'm. I always love uh, throwing, you know, throwing people right into the title track. But it is a 15-minute um, uh, colossal. So if you don't have 15 minutes, uh, then how about? Um, High above a gray green sea. Okay. Any particular reason why that came okay. to mind? High above is, um, I don't know if, if, if there's any one uh, song on this record that 
that is that has its feet firmly in volume two that is really just kind of uh still uh echoing back to that to the, those sentiments and 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 really is kind of emblematic more of the of the um of the emotion that that is I mean, kind of pervasive throughout the whole of the trilogy, I think it would be that song. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. 
to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Montreal's Sarah Neufeld is a gifted violinist, sonic explorer, and composer who is best known for her work in Arcade Fire and the underrated band Bell Orchestre. Over the last few years, Neufeld has begun playing more solo shows, and in 2011, she began writing some lovely and beguiling instrumental pieces that are powerful, emotive, and centered around tasteful sonic experimentation with the violin. The resulting album is called Hero Brother. It's amazing, and it's out August 20th via Constellation Records. She's performing at the 30th Annual Hillside Festival in Guelph, Ontario, the weekend of July 26th, and also at Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick, between August 2nd and 4th. And uh, here now to discuss many of the aforementioned things is the wonderful Sarah Neufeld. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi. Hi. Thank you for all those words. I'm good. <laughs> That's got to make you feel good. If you were feeling bad after an intro like that, you got to start. To yeah, wow. <laughs> so where, 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 where in the world are you, Sarah? I'm actually out in the country in uh, in Vermont. We we tend to try to get some breaks in between uh, Montreal and New York, and we we are lucky enough to have found a little hollow in the mountains in Vermont. Nice. Yeah. And when you say we, you're speaking of? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Colin, Stetson, and I, right. we, we come to Vermont together. <laughs> That's cool. You know, I just spoke to Colin Stetson. Yeah. Yeah. I we, know. We, oh, you're aware of this. We just had a nice conversation. You should say hi to me. What What have you been doing this morning? Um, 
So this morning we we got up early and went fishing, actually. Oh, nice. Which is a, a passion of his. Um, I swim, he fishes. That's how it goes. That's kind of, is, is that dangerous if he's fishing and you're swimming? Because then the, the fish and you are kind of commingling in the same water and, and he's like, you, you know. know. I, I steer clear of the boat. <laughs> All right. And you're not wary of swimming around some fish that are about to be, you know, killed. I guess they're about to be killed. Well, it's kind of horrific when you think about it. You know, I didn't think about it that way, but <laughs> thanks. I, I'll be sure to, to get dark next time I go swimming. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to ruin the experience for you. It sounds very tranquil and lovely, and I apologize. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I know you've been playing violin since you were quite young, uh, but I'm actually not sure about your your trajectory with the instrument. Can you talk okay. a bit, Can you talk a bit about your evolution as a player? You know, what initially piqued, yeah. your, piqued your interest in the instrument and, and I guess maybe any of the external forces that have kind of brought you to this place that you're at right now. Yeah, I'll try to summarize because it, it gets really rambly when I start going back that far. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, so I'm 33 and I started when I was three. So that's a long, <laughs> that's a lot. Wow, three. <laughs> a lot huh. happened. Yeah. 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 Um, no, so I was, a, I was a tiny child, and they put tiny children in Suzuki method. Mm-hmm. It's a Japanese method that trains you by ear at first a lot. So my, my brother was in said lessons, and it's a lot of group stuff, and I would be the two-year-old watching and kind of soaking it up. And for whatever reason, I really, like more than just another toy that I wanted to grab away from him, like I really wanted that one like I re- was really drawn to it I remember you know watching and listening and all the all these kids playing and um the parents are involved too in that method so it's kind of like this whole family thing I think it's probably really great for families and maybe that's why a lot of people do it I'm not sure um my family's really into music they they uh they play different instruments banjo and flute and guitar and have an amazing vinyl collection yeah which right, I was just that's... reflecting on last night. I was like, oh, there was that record and that record. So they they were bringing a lot to us musically, got us involved in this thing without being pushy at all. And I just I really took off with it. And more than more than like really working on the classical stuff, I always really enjoyed improvising and kind of making compositions in my head out of the improvisations. Like I always did that. Mm. Um, and I couldn't, I really couldn't fit into the classical trajectory. Um, like I, I tried and then I, I quit at about age 14, I guess. And I picked up the guitar and <clears throat> I was really into rock music and all sorts of stuff. But I remember at that time, like listening to a lot of Pixies and Breeders, but also a lot of Hendrix and like older stuff and just being super drawn to the guitar by all those kind of the myriad of excellent guitar players and interesting rockers out right, there. Right. And uh, I wanted that. I wanted that kind of connection and expression of more raw and I just felt, you know, more inclined. And then uh, and then I, I, I got a bottle cap pickup and put it on the violin at, at kind of in the same point and was like, hey, I'm way better at this instrument than I can feel like you know myself and it's a little bit more unique and I didn't really know whether or not violin could be in bands or not I just sort of started a band with friends and that's what I would play more of even though I played guitar and sang as well yeah yeah and then I and then I moved to Montreal to to 
go to university and studied, um, I ended up majoring in electroacoustics, but I did a lot of jazz. I actually chose Concordia because they allowed me as a as a violinist to to not be in the classical stream, but I was able to, you know, concentrate a lot on the instrument, but go about it traditionally. Right. Um, so I, I had a wonderful jazz teacher, actually, too, a bunch of them, but a jazz violinist and, and also some of the, the horn players um, helped my ear a lot, just opening it up. And I didn't want to become a jazz violinist either, but opening it up and trying to learn how to really like blow your chops over bebop chords <laughs> like is really <laughs> I have to say that with an accent. No, it's really hard and really, really great, you know, for your ear and just it kinda of felt like I was diving off of a really high diving board, you know, when yeah. I had to go in there and like all these super heavy like jazz players are just killing it and you're like, Oh God, this violin and I'm gonna here we go, like <laughs> and uh <laughs> And in, in that in that period, uh, I met Richard Perry like right early on, kind of first year, and we started just playing together a lot. We'd we'd play uh, gallery um, kind of vernissages at the at the VA at Concordia, and and we were kind of developing this thing together musically that we were super into, and we'd kind of rescore these old films at the NFB, and we got. Um, we hooked up with Steph Schneider and Kit Ramato and Kavi Nabadian and made Bell Orchest and later Michael Fierstack. And at, and about the same time she was playing with Arcade Fire, like he was recording them a little bit with the EP and then I kind of jumped in a year later and th- that evolved as we know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then I, uh, over the years I've kind of have been noticing something as starting to feel like it's missing like with my own with my own writing um especially as we were kind of unable to sustain the Bellarcast project um you know to the degree that it was before and so I started feeling really like hungry for working on that creative composition and expression and I felt like it was pretty high time anyway I I I reached out to that on my own so I through a couple of different collaborations with filmmakers and <clears throat> I was asked to do some solo stuff and it felt really good. The first couple of pieces I wrote, I felt like there was, there was a lot more there, mm-hmm. you know, like those, those first handful of pieces came pretty easily. And I, I knew it wouldn't be easy to make a whole body of work, but it was just such a different experience and uh, it was pretty inspiring. And I was, I was really energized to, to do that. And so, Right at the end of the last Arcade Fire touring cycle, I jumped in um, both feet and just started working on it every day and and uh, until I felt like it was a record. I wrote more than, like, I wrote so much more than a record. Like, I actually have all this other material. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I just want to, I actually want to keep writing right now. Hmm. You know, when you get in those creative modes and then you and then you get out of them in the record production mode and it's all of the, the stuff that goes into putting it out and then you're like whoa where did the where did the fun part go yeah <laughs> i want to get back to that right now but i'm pretty I, excited that it's coming out you know i feel like everything you've said really kind of informs my uh, informs the kind of impression i've made of this record which is that you know it's this really stirring dynamic record and and I appreciate, you know, the answer, and 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 I appreciate everything that's sort of gone into this. 
I also know that meditation and yoga plays a role in your life, and I'm wondering if you can maybe talk about, I don't know if it's possible for you to isolate your kind of headspace around the time you wrote these songs and maybe even contemplate. Yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, you kind of, you, you got at that a little bit in your in your previous answer, but I'm just curious if you can kind of contemplate a little bit what may have inspired the tone of this work because it's 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 sort of all over the map and even in your just your previous answer you i can see your influences are kind of all over the map and, and the things that inspire mm-hmm. you are from from all over the place so is, is it possible yeah. is it possibly possible for you to step back and kind of contemplate where all of this came from i mean it comes from everywhere and everything that i've gone through up until now like it's such a like i think my first solo effort is very personal and i I don't know if it would continue to be so, you know, but at the beginning of something like that, I kind of intentionally made it really personal, knowing that it was fully drawing on all these different influences and and really like a culmination of of all that. And, And also, like, you know, there's two kind of starkly different moods on the record, even though there's also, it's all over the place, but there's, there's this really atmospheric, um, more ambient kind of, patient quality to some of the pieces and then there's there's the really like frenetic almost aggressive in more in your face um a little fiddlier but also not like kind of more jagged um melodically those pieces so there's these kind of two moods and i guess like those could be kind of the um let's see um those could represent like the the kind of, you know, tension we all have between our super frenetic energy and our more, you know, grounded sense of calm and, and, and ease of being alive. Like those kind of two, like kind of energies being at war with each other a little bit. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but I also find that, like, I found that they played well together musically. So I kind of, like, <clears throat> let them be that extreme and actually made them more extreme with the creativity around, you know, we recorded a lot of those, the patient atmospheric pieces got a lot more so in the geodesic dome in Berlin with the 18 second reverb. And it just sounds like outer space. And, (laughs) and it, it makes that quality even more, you know, theatrically. So meditative sounding and, and you know, more so than I even intended, which is, I, I was quite, um, into that. Hmm. And then the other stuff is mixed way drier and way more insane. And, and that is like sonically the representation of that like super intense, nervous, frenetic energy. And I think like, you know, if we want to be black about it, like I am both of those things. And, and then in the yoga practice and the meditation practice, I'm, it's, it's this practice of, of constantly coming back to that more ground center of calm, even though you're not, you're not rejecting any of the other stuff. You're you're letting it be like fully, yeah. but you're just constantly coming back to the breathing and in the hopes of of you know having your life be not uh, such a battle between all your different all the different stuff going on. It's like you become more easeful in your approach um, with all that different. <laughs> yeah, they, so yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying I made. I made the record inspired by that practice, but because I do visit that practice often, um, 
it's part of it's just as much a part of me at this point as you know any other influence so i i feel like you're what you're kind of describing is this is getting at the root of like at the root of tranquility and sort of a more frenetic space there is still uh an intensity there's an intensity to both that I think sometimes we, yeah. take, we take for granted. I mean, you, you assume yeah. if things are really swirling around you and busy, that that's intense. But when you're in kind of a, a more meditative mode, that has an equal, that can have an equal intensity. That is, it's a super intense place. And I mean, I, I don't know, maybe when I'm 80 years old, it'll feel a lot different when I'm meditating. But now when I'm meditating, it's almost like it feels pretty crazy sometimes when you're really kind of, focusing in on one spot in your, you know, I always feel like it's in my brain. It's like a magnifying glass in the sun and you're just like burning into this one spot and you're mm. breathing into it and you get all floaty and it's like, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But then, and then, you know, all the thoughts keep swirling around and you, you're keeping them at bay with this, with this piece. And it's really cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but I'm such a beginner. Like it's, you know, I've been practicing meditation for a few years. I've been doing yoga for a lot longer, but it's I'm fully aware that I've just now noticed a lot of basic things about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Well, that, cool. that, that's what happens in time, I think. The phrase hero brother itself is very interesting to me. I, I think because I am most definitely a non-heroic brother. Like, I don't feel like I'm a good brother sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not literal. <laughs> it's not literally about brothers. But well, well, yeah. <laughs> you you alluded to the fact that your brother, you know, your brother when you were younger, he kind of you had I do con- have one and, and, and you, he is quite heroic. And, and you mm-hmm. have a you had a, con- a musical connection almost to him as well. And I and I don't yeah. want to draw too literal literal uh, a bridge between yeah. these two things, but what is what does that phrase mean to you? Why why name your record okay. Hero Brother? So the the so the phrase meant something else and then I kind of it's also you can draw parallels to my real life but I in in writing a body of of instrumental work I think there's always a narrative that grows with it and having it be this project by myself I was really able to go really deep into my own imagination and and it became like this total imaginary world like a kid would have like that's kind of the process I went through of finding, really like getting to know these pieces and completing them meant that I had to also create a whole other world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and in that world, I've, I've always heard characters in, in instrumental music, like, you know, specific sounds will remind me of specific kinds of characters, whether they're like human or animal or more abstract than that even. Um, and so with the piece... Hero Brother, that's the title track. So that I named that piece Hero Brother before the record. And uh, and it just had this, I just couldn't get this, this character out of my mind that was like a, maybe like a, almost a childlike person, not a grown person and kind of androgynous, but a little bit more male in, you know, in the dress of kind of a fighter warrior type person. Uh-huh. Um, it was like totally going for to battle for like the people they love and but but then I you know, there was totally clear character in my mind. But then I what I liked so much about the phrase and the idea of it was that we all have like a a 
kind of a hero brother in our hearts or in our lives or we're lacking one. You know, like people really love heroes and they love or they are protectors. Mm-hmm. So so hero brother felt very universal to me and yet really specifically it was this character in my head. And then also it tied in so nicely to the fact that I do have the big brother and he's quite stoic and heroic. Right. <laughs> he's gonna kill me. <laughs> but no, no and it you... wasn't it wasn't about him. It was these characters in my head are way more imaginary than that. You know, um, this this expo- yeah. this explanation kind of segues into my next question because I know that as a member of Arcade Fire, you're very busy. Yeah, and you just earlier you described having this itch to do other stuff, and you felt inspired to compose all of this material. You're talking about these this this these characters that are in your head and your imagination. Do you feel like there's such a thing as as artistic downtime, like 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 downtime for an artistic mind? Does does this actually happen? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I had a long period where I wasn't personally prolific at all. Because, um, my, you know, my involvement in Arcade Fire is in more like fits and starts. And so there'll be a long, if it's in a touring cycle, for instance, like if I'm not working on anything else, it's just there's not much, there's not much coming out creatively. Um, there's lots of creative stuff happening when you're performing and when you're engaged with that kind of stuff. And that's really rewarding on, on that level. But, um, you know, I mean, the last Dollar Cast record came out in, what, 2008? Yes, I think that's correct. Yeah, that's long, so that's a long time ago. <laughs> and that, you know, with that band, it was much more the kind of the kind of collaborative writing Springing from improvisation to through com- through composed pieces that I was really like hardcore involved with, um, you know. Yeah, no, as no. A, no as that... a core, as a core writing partner, and so not having not having that out that was a huge period of creative downtime for me. And other stuff happened for sure. Like I became a yoga teacher, and yeah. Um, at the same time as writing this solo stuff, we were building a yoga studio, and so I feel like. Maybe I was coming up on a big wave of creative, um, like a, cr- a creative storm, really. And now I'm, I'm, in, I'm still in that. No, and, and I appreciate that. You, it's it's interesting that you took my question and, and pointed to kind of more tangible results. Like you, you pointed to, you know, the last Bell Orchestra record was five years ago, and there's downtime in between Arcade Fire touring cycles. But I just mean in general, do you find that you're always kind of thinking about? what you could be doing and, and, you know, ideas. Cause it, it seems mm-hmm. to me, and, you know, I mean, maybe this is a, a trite question because probably a lot of artists would say, Oh yes, of course I'm always thinking of, but you're like, <laughs> you're in a position where you're doing something kind of, this is sort of new for you, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, but, but I yeah. get, I get the impression it's been gestating for a long time. Like this is something that needed to come out of you mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. I mean, basically every time I play my instrument alone, I sort of, start to write a piece and it's always been that way and it just took me forever to start recording them and taking them more seriously seriously enough to work on them Mm -hmm. but every time in my whole life I've ever picked up my violin alone it's been you know I'll I'll warm up I'll do a little bit of technique and then I'll just play and I'll usually come upon something some sort of you know tiny idea that if I paid attention to it, you know, could become something. Right. I just never 
I just never did that before. So in terms of is there any, I, I would consider, you know, a lot of time being a down a downtime in 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 my creative mind just just in the fact that I wasn't actually following through. Hmm. You know, you can you can go for tons of walks and have a, a lot of symphonies in your head, but if you don't put them down and you don't work on them, it's like it's so fleeting. Yeah, you never remember anything. I never remember anything unless I write it down or record it. I feel like, and I don't want to paint too graphic a picture for you, but I feel like I get all my great ideas in the shower, and I actually want to figure out like uh-huh. a, a way to like write some stuff down. And I, I feel like all my great ideas are either driving or in the shower. And I then when I well, I'm, you just need a waterproof, uh, waterproof voice recorder. Yeah, or yeah, or maybe or like just like a, a, a some kind of board I can write on in there. But I probably should be doing. It's a waste <laughs> of water to be coming up with ingenious ideas in the shower. I think, but. It's just funny that sometimes when you're not doing the thing that you that is your practice, you come up with great ideas, for, or you think you come up with great ideas for your practice. I come up with them running, actually. Running that, yeah. See, mm-hmm. I do that too. I, I get a little bit of that, but I'm also just concentrating on not dying when I'm running. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the next inhale. Yeah, exactly. I, I just, as I mentioned to you, I just spoke to Colin Stetson about his work on the Arcade Fire record, and he was very diplomatic. He suggested the songs he played on are really great, and people are going to like them. Um, I'm curious at this point, can you provide any more insight or observations about how you feel that this thing is turning out? Well, I'm always, I'm always one for saving the big, you know, the big reveal for the big reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, I am excited for people to hear it. I'm excited to hear it all and listen to it and play it like it's you know it's been a it's been a really great year like hearing it develop and being part of it and and you know one of one of my favorite moments was probably watching Colin and Stuart his best friend from forever um right make their horn parts Mm. to to some of these songs and that it was great that they they did that and and yeah there's there was a lot of really inspiring moments in that in that process and um but yeah no i'm not really going to give it away no you can't I, <laughs> you I can't really you can't i mean you can't say anything what are you going to say uh that would actually allow you to feel what you're going to feel when you do listen to a piece of music or a, a record right? totally totally I, uh, all okay. speculation yeah and i know that you know here's an interesting thing that has happened and i don't know if you, you probably had little or no role in this but the actual album release date reveal was quite interesting. Yeah. Basically, for those yeah. who, who don't know, someone, some fan randomly just tweeted at the Arcade Fire's Twitter account to say, hey, you're my favorite band or something. And the, someone yeah. from the band or representing the band on Twitter was like, hey, thanks, our, our record's coming out October 29th or whatever it was. And uh, that's the date. Yeah. Is that right? October 29th? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what wh- how did, wh- what the he- what the hell was that? What that's a weird way. So I I actually ha- No, I have no idea. I was I think I was in New York and I heard about it the same as probably everybody else. I was huh. like, "Oh yeah, that happened." Okay. <laughs> that's the date. <laughs> so this isn't part of some weird new marketing strategy or something you've discussed. Someone just decided at the moment to be like, "Yeah, hey, our record's coming out." Yeah. Well, not that I know of. But <laughs> <laughs> that's right you never know you never know well uh i spoke to colin about a few things and uh one of them was the the hillside uh festival and um yeah i i trust that your show is going to be really cool but one of the one of the other cool aspects is this 
You've got a workshop with Lee Ronaldo of Sonic Youth, Colin, and mm-hmm. Richard Reed Perry. And when I broke the news yeah. to both Colin and Lee, uh, which, by the way, happened on this show, I, I feel like I was really? the one who informed them about this. Were you aware of this before I told Colin? Yeah, I was. Okay. And what what are you? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's already we're we're already on a more sure footing. What what do you? Anticipate? Yeah, no, it's. I mean, I I'm really looking forward to Hillside in general. I mean that that afternoon that we're all playing in a row. Um, Colin set my set. Richie's set with Laurel and Steph. It's like we're all you know best friends and collaborators. That's going to be fantastic, and it's all of our first times in these projects playing Hillside, I think. If I'm not wrong, I'm not sure if Colin's played Hillside before. No, 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 he hasn't. Solo. No, he hasn't. So this is, it's a really nice moment for all of us individually, and then we share it, and then we get to do a workshop later on with Lee Ronaldo. I mean, it's just, it's going to be so fun. It's ridiculous. Now, I, I anticipate that it's going to be fun, and it's going to be great, but what is your mental preparation for such a thing? It's It's basically an improvised performance with this group of people, and, you know, you might have some small discussion beforehand. You may hang out for a long... You never know. It's Hillside. Like you could just spend the whole day together talking about what you're going to do. Or you could just get on stage, stare at each other, and start playing. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. You have no You have no plans at this point. You're just going to play. Yeah. I mean, the Lee Ronaldo is the wild card, and that'll be super cool. The rest of us have played together more than, and these are the people I've played with more than anybody else in the world. So right, right. We're basically banned already. <laughs> right, and are you? So are, luckily, are, luckily, I don't know. <laughs> are you? Are you, are, you, are, hot. are you a particular <laughs> fan of his or his band? I'm a particular fan of Sonic Youth. Yeah. Okay. So, so this. Yeah. It's it, you're not gonna. Everyone will be fine. I'm just. I'm hoping everyone. Sometimes it can be intimidating playing with someone of a certain caliber in this setting. But you, you seem like it's gonna just be. Uh, I know a, he should be really intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. For well, sure. the the gaunt mm-hmm. the gauntlet has been thrown down. That's great. <laughs> so, all for. And uh, in terms of your performance at Hillside, are you primarily playing solo? Will Colin be joining you? Will anyone be joining you? So most of the most of the record is solo. Most of the show is solo as well. But um, I will be joined by a couple of the people that I'm sharing the stage with that day, for sure, on a couple um, pieces, Colin being one of them. And that's, that's always exciting. There's this piece that actually just got released um, on NPR just... Um, premiered it. It's called Forcelessness. And I wrote that piece last summer as a as a duet without the second part. I knew <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but I want I wanted there to be this well actually I wrote it and Jesse Stein sang with me for the first time I ever performed that. And then Nils From um came up with the piano part for it and that's what's on the record. Oh okay. And uh and I'm um Richie and I were something out so i'm excited to see if that if that works um that'll be a guitar duet so it's just it's like a convertible song nice. um yeah and and colin joins me on bass saxophone on on one of the other pieces as well all right yeah. cool when you say it's a convertible song it's it's not going to be riding around with the top down right you mean it's like a mm, no <laughs> a bad joke is that uh, I, I think they that is a bad joke, but I think they use. I, I keep hearing the word convertible, meaning like it can be this thing or this other thing. Okay, no, no, you're right. I was I was making what you already uh, agreed with me was a terrible, terrible bad joke, and I 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I, I want to say that once again, Sarah Newfeld's brilliant new record, Hero Brother, is out August 20th on Constellation Records, and you can pre-order it now at cstrecords.com. She's also performing at Guelph's Hillside Festival between July 26th and 28th, and Sackville's Sappy Fest between August 2nd and 4th. For more information about all of this, please visit sarahneufeldmusic.com. Uh, Sarah, I was hoping we could go to a song from your record right now. Great. Is it possible for you to uh, choose a song for us to hear? Let's choose the, the title track, why don't we? Okay. Hero Brother. Okay. okay. Is, is there anything anything you want to tell us about this song before we hear it? Um, no. It's, let's just, let's talk, more listen. Less talk, more listen. All right. Also, sort of a bad joke. So we're on equal footing <laughs> towards the end. Uh, Sarah, it's always... That, uh, was a, that wasn't a bad joke. That was a wise pearl. <laughs> oh, it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder, Sarah. I think, uh, you know, you, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, it's always a great pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I, really, you. I really can't wait to see you again. Thanks. Yeah, see you soon.
Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.